This morning, we're going to be finishing a sermon series that we started uh, a couple of months ago. And it's, uh, we're in the, the, the sermon series of essentials. Let's do a brief recap. Week one, we talked about the essentials of worship. Pastor Todd uh, broke down what worship looks like in our lives. Also, we talked about in week two, walking in the will of God. There's no greater thing on this earth than walking in the center of God's will, walking in the peace of God, walking in the direction God has for you. Uh, in week three, Pastor Brandon spoke about uh, uh, th- what the Lord requires of us, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before God. That's what God expects of us. Also, week four, Pastor Todd spoke about having vision, and he talked about the, the vision of the church. He talked about what it means to have personal vision as well as corporate vision. And in week five, Pastor Todd talked about works and how to excel in the kingdom of God. So that's a brief recap. Today we'll be talking about faith. Not only just faith, because there's, there's many avenues that you can go in faith, but I want to talk about overcoming faith. You know, we, we, we can talk about faith. We can talk about the, the gift of faith. We can talk about faith for miracles. We can talk about faith in giving and, and all of these different areas, faith for miracles. But you can, you can make it through your Christian walk without ever seeing a miracle. I don't think God intends for us to walk that way. I believe God expects us to believe and walk in supernatural things, but you will make it. However, you will not make it if you don't have overcoming faith. Faith to go through whatever comes your way. Overcoming faith is the anchor for your soul. Overcoming faith enables you to go through the fire. It, it, it enables you to, to stay in the boat when the, when the winds are coming in and the waves are crashing around you. It's the faith to continue moving forward. As I look forward into 2017, I have every reason to be hopeful because we serve the God of all hope. Amen. The God of all hope. Nothing is hopeless when God is involved. It does not matter how long you've been in something, at a moment, in an instant, God could turn that thing around. You see, every year I always dreaded New Year's because it was always the first of the year we got bad news about my dad. You know, like, well, cancer was here or the tumor got worse or, you know, all of these things. And the Lord used many experiences that helped shape my view of the future. You know, I lost my dad in 2016, but I'm here in 2017 completely and utterly hope-filled for the future. So I'm telling you, no matter what you go through, if you keep the proper perspective, God will help you go through any situation you find yourself in. You need to understand that faith does not end with this aspect of life. It, it really doesn't. We, we, we break time up into living on this earth in heaven, but that's not how the Bible views time. In fact, when we have eternal life, we are born again. We have life eternal. The Bible says that he that believeth in me shall never die. That means you will, your heart will stop here and your eyes will open there, but you will continue living. Your body will go back to the ground but your soul and spirit will be as alive as it has ever been. So our faith carries over to the other side. 
Our faith is the currency of heaven. Everything that we receive from God is by faith. We receive salvation by faith. We, re we receive the gifts of the Spirit by faith. We receive anything. Our interaction with God is by faith. If you look in your Bibles, at, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11. And I want to start off with a, with, with a very uh, common verse of Scripture. It says in verse 1, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about the things that we cannot see. Now, we're going to come back to this verse at the end, but I want to discuss four men that lived an example of overcoming faith from this chapter. There are many other men, but I just want to talk about four, these first four. Now, Jesus, remember, said that he that believeth in me shall never die. I want you to understand that and know that because it takes away the sting and the fear of death when you know that you simply just pass over. When you have a loved one that, that leaves this earth, you know that they are standing in the portals of glory. It helps you deal. It helps you walk. It, ha it helps you have hope. So I want to look at the first aspect of faith that we need, and it's saving faith. It starts off with saving faith. You have to have faith that when you come into the, to the gospel. Hebrews 11.4 says, It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man and that God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by example of faith. The story that we are, we're looking at here has a, a deeper meaning than when you just read it in the context. So sometimes you got to go into Genesis to see exactly what he's talking about. As you may know, that when Adam fell in the garden, he plummeted the entire human race, that means you and I, into sin. We, we, we were subjected to sin, to the dominion of sin, to the bondages of sin. Romans 5, 18 and 19, one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible, and it sums up, sums up the gospel. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners... So also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. That's the gospel. In the meantime, between Genesis and what we read about in the New Testament, God interacted with man through a sacrificial system. Now, evidently, there was a sacrificial system in place in the Garden of Eden because we see a sacrifice happening between Cain and Abel. Remember at the fall... They hid themselves. They took leaves and they hid themselves, which is a picture of religion. It's a picture of you trying to cover your own self because of the embarrassment of sin. But God Almighty would, would have an animal and take the skin off the animal, the fur, and clothe them, which was a picture of the coming redemption. Now, the, lo the law of Moses kind of paints a better picture and connects the dots in between there and what Jesus would do. You see, man was not supposed to know the difference between good and evil. The knowledge of good is just as bad as the knowledge of evil. 
The reason we know that is because you have the ability to look at good and judge it based on what you think good is. And God didn't want you to have to do that and sort it out. There's many religions on the face of this earth that do not worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yet they do good things and they put their faith in their good things, their feelings, and they think that they gain something with God. But if they do something outside of the blood of Jesus, outside of that sacrifice, that covering, it means nothing to God. I know that's a sad truth. Because many people put all of their effort into these things that will perish over time. But God wants to reward us. He wants to reward us with grace and mercy. But we got to come in the right way. We all have flawed standards as human beings. And we look at each other's standards and judge whether or not we're righteous. You see, if we were to sit next to Charles Manson, you'd be pretty good, hopefully. But God judges in the realm of perfection that can only be reached by Christ. So unless we come into Christ, we, we will never reach the standard. Jesus himself said, no man comes to the Father but by me. Now, when you understand what Genesis is talking about, I want to read it to you. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 2 through 7, it says, when they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. You see, when you look at what, what is happening here, Cain grew some vegetables or a grain offering. Now, in the book of Leviticus and in, in, the, in the sacrificial system, you give a vegetable offering as a thanksgiving offering alongside of a blood sacrifice. That was not in place in Genesis, but it's the picture of what it would become. You see, Cain was giving a, th a thanksgiving offering, and God only required a blood offering. So in essence, what Cain was saying is, I know that there's a God. I appreciate that God exists, but I don't need Jesus. He wasn't saying that, but that's what the picture of it is. It looks like this today. Oh, I believe God is a, is a great God. I believe that he's whatever I think it is. I believe that I can be God. I believe that this God is God. I th I, or you might even know some people that think, well, I just believe in God, but I don't need to acknowledge the fact that I've sinned and I've broken his laws. I mean, that don't make me feel too good. That makes me feel bad. So I thank God that he's God, but I will not acknowledge my need for the sacrifice. That's what that looks like today. You see, it's a picture of what, what happened now. Because when you look at in Hebrews 11, 4, it says, Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval of his gift. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. Remember in Hebrews, it says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So Jesus was the final sacrifice, and it's no different. Our faith is in Christ, and what he's accomplished and we are deemed righteous by God. That is how Abel's picture 
paints a picture for us today. So do you understand that? So the first way in is through the sacrifice, saving faith. And that faith will carry you over to the other side. Listen, no one is righteous aside from Christ. It's that simple, but it's good that way. Just think if God measured you up and was like, oh, you don't want to do Jesus? You don't want to put your faith in him? Let's do you. Ten commandments that we break every day, all day. (laughs) So thank God that Jesus is the standard. Our faith in him is what makes us righteous. The evidence that we are righteous is a righteous lifestyle and, and living. Our faith in Christ. We worship God. We read his word. All of those things are a byproduct of our faith. We don't do that for fig leaves to be made right with God, right? We do that because we're the righteousness of God. A dog barks, a cat meows, a Christian lives for Jesus. It's it's pretty simple. (laughs) Number two, consistent faith until the end. Hebrews 11, 5 and 6, it says, It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. I want you to keep that in mind. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he's a rewarder of those who sincerely or diligently seek him. That word is used. Now, when you look at the the reference in Genesis chapter 5, verse 24, it says this. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Enoch so pleased God that God was like, you know what? Let's get out of here and let's go to my place. And you know that's coming again. That's coming again. And it can happen before we finish up here on this platform or leave here. Now, the word walk means to follow, to adhere, or to behave. In other words, Enoch's faithful, obedient, intimate walk had an impact on future generations. Now, you see, people will start out walking with God. How many of you got bullseyes on you from the devil? If you don't, you need to pay attention because the devil's always like, oh, you're a Christian. Line up. And he's trying to take you out. But it gets difficult. Maybe you've been told you'd have an awesome life and all these things, and that's possible. You have an abundant life, but you will go through trials and storms. When you start serving God, you will notice instantly that, man, what just happened? I feel like I'm in a war and I don't know what's going on. How many of you felt that way? <laughs> yeah, that's how it is. That's faith to fight the fight of faith because we're warriors and soldiers in the kingdom of God. You see, we come in here uh, as a, it, the church is a hospital for the hurting, but it's also once you get healed, a recruiting center for the army of God. Now, God didn't put Paul here. He didn't put Peter here. He didn't put uh, James and John, Elijah. He didn't put Moses here. He put you and I here for the last battle of faith that is taking place even around us. So you are not here by accident. The question is, are you enlisted? Have you signed up? For the things of God. Because listen, we are living in the most exciting time on the face of the earth. You can watch the news and open up the book of Ezekiel and see it play out before you. But when the last shot is fired, we are victorious. Israel shall be set free. Praise God. So I said all that to say, people say, well, I just don't know if I believe the Bible. That's because you haven't read it. And get it and grab a newspaper and you'll see. 
So we live in a time when there's no longer need to really prove the Bible. If, if somebody says, I just don't believe all that, well, that, that's not too bright. That's not a bright mentality. Or I just, uh, I, I assume that it, it means this, or I believe this, or I have my own beliefs. Listen, the Bible, the Word of God, is the also ultimate truth and authority on the face of this earth. If the book says it, you can bank on it. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And you need to have faith to believe it and stand on it no matter what comes your way. Now listen, the civilization that Enoch walked in was very, very bad. I mean, think about this. God would decide to destroy the entire earth three generations later. So imagine Enoch walking in this in this time where, where men's, men's hearts was on evil continually. There were other things that were going on during that time. But Enoch came to know the Lord or came to follow God at 65 years old. He lived to be 365 years old. So he walked with God consistently and obediently for 300 years. That's a little bit easier than our little 80, 90, 70, 60, 50 years that we're on this earth. But his life is marked by consistent, unwavering faith. Now, think about that. He walked with God for 300 years. No King James Bible, no awesome worship team, no podcast. I mean, he walked with God by faith. And then if you look at the genealogy, he had a son named Methuselah who lived to be 969 years, which is the longest human being living on record. And then Methuselah had a son named Lamech who was Noah's father. Now, Enoch's great-grandson Noah completed the ark at 600 years old. Now, I said all that to say, I don't know what your bloodline looks before you. You might be the first person to serve God. But I do know that you can change the legacy going forward. You can be your family's patriarch that changes the destiny of your entire lineage from here on out. There's no telling what God's going to use your kids to do. There's no telling what God's going to use your grandkids to do. There's no telling what God is going to use you to do. So it does not matter if the fam your family before you serve God, you can tap into the mighty power of God and walk a life of faith and obedience for the rest of your life. You know, and also he walked in a time where it's very corrupt. We didn't have technology like they did back then. But think about how it is today. People live and they don't want to have anything to do with God. They're inventing different ways of evil. So we can see that you might have personal and faith-filled devotion to God now. But what about on the inside? What about sickness that comes to threaten you? Are you going to be persistent when things like that come down the pike? You know, I think of my dad. And my mom and, and I were on our way to this Christmas service, which was amazing, by the way, right? Praise God. Amen. Praise God. It was amazing. We were on the way here, and, and we were looking at one of the songs that was being sung, and my mom was like, oh, your dad used to sing this song. And she said, I remember that when it was one of his times during his chemo treatments that he would get these sores in his mouth from the chemo, and as he would sing, he would have to stop and wipe the blood on the inside of his mouth as he would open to sing the notes. But in spite of dealing with that sickness, he stayed persistent. He stayed consistent. 
I can remember that sometimes I'd go to my dad's house on Friday and Saturday, and he would be in his chair. He would be sick from the treatments. And I'd be like, Dad, you okay? He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm just, you know, Dad is just not feeling all that well. And then on Sunday would come, I'd walk in, I'd feel the presence of God in that house as he was practicing and singing. And he'd have his suit on because he'd lose so much weight. And that suit would be big for him. But he would say, I got to continue to serve the Lord. He knew that there were people counting on him in the pew, waiting to enter into the presence of God. And my dad didn't want people to miss out because of him. So you need personal, consistent faith. I think of my mom who endured, who kept witnessing, even though she didn't see evidence of breakthrough. And people that would come at works, they come to our Bible study even now. And they, they give their life to the Lord. They're serving God all because of the struggle that, they, that they've seen. I came by to tell you one thing. That God will sustain you and empower you no matter what you are walking through. He will give you the grace. And I'm not telling you something that I just kind of feel. I'm telling you I experienced it. I've seen it multiple times. God will raise you above that circumstance and he will empower you to help others. The anointing of the Holy Spirit will rest so thick on you that you will be able to talk to people and their eyes will be open. And they will see the glory of God through the words that you speak. Listen, some of you may have crawled through 2016. Here's my advice. One knee in front of the other, one hand in front of the other, because you won't be crawling long. Eventually, you're going to stand up. You're going to walk through those things. You're going to grab hold of people and say, listen, what I've crawled through, I will help you walk through. And God Almighty will give you the power and the authority to do that. I can tell you that God is with you no matter how deep the pit or how high the wave is. It does not matter if your boat is filling up with water. If God is in your boat, you're in the best possible place to be. Enoch stayed faithful until his end came, which was the rapture, his rapture. And likewise, we will do the same. But if not, we will one day lay on our back. And we will look and say, I have not thrown in the towel. I think of my dad once again, who got up here less than a week before he died. And the one thing he wanted to sing about was the glorious redemption that never gets old. Because he knew that he was going to a place where roses never fade. Come on, or, or do you have that hope on the inside of you? That no matter what comes your way, you know that there is glory ahead in your future. 1 John 5, 4 says, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. That means it's in your DNA to overcome. You might feel like you are on your back. Tap into the power of God and that DNA, that regeneration, that regening that God died to give you will rise up on the inside of you and you will make it another day. You will. I'm telling you, you will smile again. You will wake up and you will worship the Lord as you did in the days of old. You might have been walking through things and it's been fire after fire after fire after flood all at the same time. Right? You know what I'm talking about. I'm talking to the right crowd. But you, you anchor down. You, you stay in it. You don't give up. 
You don't give, you keep going. Listen, I'm not telling you something I don't know. I know what it's like to buckle down and say, I don't know what's going on and the winds and waves, but you're holding on to that lighthouse until the storm passes. That is overcoming faith, and you need that to continue moving forward because that's where you will see the victory of God Almighty. See, you're able to take this faith with you beyond the stars. Jesus said, if you believe in me, you shall never die. That's where the moments of diligence will come in. In Hebrews eleven six, 6, it says, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, this word means to zealously look for something with all your heart, with all your strength, and with all your might. It's a picture of hardworking, attentive, persistent devotion. You know, it's, it's saying this is the most important thing in my life and everything else will come second. Look at the woman with the issue of blood. She went through the fact that she could have been stoned to death, ridiculed, but she pushed through until she reached to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So what's the life application? Scramble through the disappointments that 2016 heaped upon you. Move all of those distractions out of the way and grab hold of Jesus, who is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And in that moment, you will find him shrouded in goodness and devotion to you. See, his devotion to me is what inspires me for my devotion to him. It's not fear of condemnation. I serve Jesus because I want to serve Jesus. I serve Jesus because why else would I want to do anything else? When you really tap into the goodness of God, there's no place you would rather be. If Jesus is on an island, I'm going on that island. You know, that's the life you live. If this is the plan God wants and this is the one I want, I'm going this way because I know that's what God wants. Amen. Praise God. And that's the hope that you will take with you into 2017. Listen, this could be the year that you experience the final mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Am I talking to spirit-filled Christians in here tonight, this morning? Praise God. This could be the year that your healing comes in. This could be the year that your wayward son or daughter comes in to the faith. This could be the year you finally forgive that person. Some of you might be saying, man, 2016 is like a locked door. Well, the key to forgiveness will open that up. Walk in the forgiveness that you received, and you will see yourself go from glory to glory to glory. Listen, there's no telling what God wants to do in you and through you in 2017. Don't let the past dictate your future. Don't, let, don't leave those things in the path, past. Pick up what you had to learn and move forward and get ready to help somebody because God's going to bring somebody and say, remember that? This is how you help them. Praise God. <laughs> we have a time of diligent seeking coming up during prayer and fasting. Listen, it's a time where you say, you know what? 2017 is a long time. I'm devoting this time to the Lord Almighty. I'm going to seek God. I'm going to take the TV off. I'm going to fast whatever he asks me to fast. I'm going to open up his word. I'm going to apply it. I'm going to expect the supernatural power of God to show up in my life. I'm going to expect to see things that I've never seen before because I serve a God of the impossible. 
He said, come to me and I will show you great and mighty things you do not yet know. What if God wants to use your hands in 2017 to lay hands on the sick and expect them to recover? What if God wants to lay, use your hands to raise the dead? Are you going to stop there? Some of y'all are like, wait, what? Raise the dead. Then you have to go into more. You're going to go wherever God tells you to go. Listen, I told you this before. When my dad passed away, everybody got out of the room. I laid hands and expected him to recover. I said, well, you know, God, you raised the dead. But in the, men, in the moment of laying hands and praying, I was like, my dad would be so mad. <laughs> if I would have laid hands and he'd have came back, he'd have been like, hey, Kel. Yeah, I was uh, talking to Lazarus and uh, this happened. Guess I'm going to go cut the grass. <laughs> Praise God. So the second kind of faith we need is consistent, diligent faith. Number three, obedient faith even when you don't understand. Hebrews 11:7. it was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about the things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and received the righteousness that comes by faith. So another aspect of faith is to continue moving forward even when you don't understand the why. Listen, can I be honest with you? Sometimes it doesn't work out like you expected. And it does not matter how many scriptures you throw at it. But that's where you will reach down and find real faith. It's faith in God's goodness. It causes you to say, I'm going beyond what I expect, and I'm going into what God can do. That's how you get deeper. That's how you get stronger. That's how you don't become some flaky Christian that aggravates everybody. (laughs) We can edit that out, praise God. Listen to me. It was in those tangible moments of sitting in a pile of ash, of struggling in my faith. And it was those times when I felt like God would just carry me through. And listen, it's not that I prayed more. (laughs) It wasn't that I did something different. God was just God in my situation. Even when I would take my Bible, my sword, and throw it far from me and say, I don't care what it has to say right now, right? You ever been there? (laughs) Praise God. The rest of you, you'll get there. (laughs) There will come a moment in your Christian walk if you go through enough time where you will think about throwing in the towel. And it's in those moments that you rise up and you will see God be faithful, I promise you. You don't quit, God won't quit. God will throw you over his shoulder and say, listen, I got you from here on out. And you will walk through that storm, kicking and screaming, I know because I did it. And God never put me down. Listen, he is good always. Always. Don't take your prayer list and blindfold yourself. Lay that down and say, God, you know what I need. You know what I would like, but I want what you want. I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God in my situation, and I'm going to expect you to do great and mighty things. That's at the time where you will see God the most in your life. You need to declare that over yourself. You need to preach that to yourself every single day. 
See, the mindset to go beyond your needs is birthed in the struggle. That's where you say, well, it's not working out like I want. And that's where you have to cross the line and say, I'm serving God not because what he can do, but because what he's already did and because he's already good. Maybe God will ask you to build a boat in the desert. (laughs) We could have used that a couple months ago. Now imagine the ridicule this man took. You know, imagine 120 years of building a boat, chopping trees down for months, years, taking those, those tree trunks and making them into planks. Do you think there ever came a point, maybe on his 20th tree, with God, you sure that I need to be doing this? <laughs> Sometimes you may go through some things And you don't understand, but maybe it's for the perseverance of other people's faith. See, God will let things fit into his plan that don't fit into our plan. I'm sure Noah didn't plan on building a boat for 120 years with no Lowe's or Home Depot. I'm sure that wasn't part of his plan. Listen, obedience is is an adventure, but it's for the long haul. And God is waiting for us to get in line with his plans so he can carry out his purpose in your life. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean in your own understanding. And always acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Everything that you go go through or every plan or purpose, filter it through that verse. You might be in a desert right now, and God may be telling you to build a boat. Maybe it looks like changing direction. Maybe it looks like forgiveness. Well, they did this to me. That's maybe the forgiveness is the boat that's going to bring them in and set you free. You see, sometimes our pride may just well, I'm just going to go build a boat instead instead of doing the spiritual part of it. So you may not understand the why sometimes, but you have to know that it's for the benefit of others. It's it's for the benefit of God's glory, and it's for the benefit of the plan and purpose that he has for your life. So you can, if you need direction, you can fast for direction. You can seek God for direction. You can pray God to give you direction. Listen, it was obedience that saved Noah and his family, not grace. Grace came in when God told him to build the boat, but if Noah decided to do his own thing, they would have plummeted after all those years. Obedience is what saved Noah and his family. See, that ark was a symbol of hope to his family. Imagine as they're building this for all these years and they walk by and say, hey, maybe his his wife, uh, Edith, I don't know her name. (laughs) It sounds like a, nobody's named Edith in here. (laughs) We can edit that out. No, I'm just joking. But there must have been times when Noah's doing this and people are walking by and it begins to shape up. Maybe it began to make sense. What if your situation is producing a, an arc of hope for other people's faith? Every disappointment is another tree being cut down. And every battle is another plank being turned in from that tree. What if you crawled through something only to link arms with somebody and help them walk through it. Are you big enough to do what God has called you to do? What about that situation that Satan tried to cure your faith with, and now you're using it as a boat of hope to bring people in? 
Listen, being child, childless was never part of my plan. In fact, as a kid, it was on the top of my list. But I'm about the father's business. You know, I always thought, man, people are going to say, well, your man got a generational curse. Or maybe he's full of sin. Or maybe God knows he won't be a good dad. These are all verbatim quotes from the devil. That I, I'd even begin to buy in that God was against me. But, you know, you, you go through some things for long periods of time. I'm talking years. Not just, oh, God, man, the devil been after me for a month. I'm talking years of that same battle. How many of you have been through long, drawn-out battles? <laughs> Those battles are priceless. Those are the times when you are growing. I'm telling you, you are here today because of those battles that you grew up. You realize that I did make it without that thing that I thought was going to kill me. And during those moments, I would just cry out to God. And I remember God speaking to me. And listen, I have never been 100% sure of what God called me to do than in this moment when he told me to build an ark. He told me, Kelly, I want you to start writing a book. Now, I don't, <laughs> I'm not, I don't do that. I don't read well. I don't talk well. <laughs> but I knew that it was one, something that God called me to do because every time he would give me this revelation and things like that, and it would just come to me, and then I would write, and it would never go away. If I, if I try to relax... That nudge would be there, and God would always show up during that time. And in it, I described the battles of faith. I'm talking honesty. It's time to get honest in the church. It gets on like weeping, like I'm angry right now. Those moments, you know what God's doing? I understand, and I'm going to get you through it. You just don't understand what's going on. But in those moments is where you're going to cry out to God. And God told me to build an ark. Build a build something of hope. And that's the that you know, it's to the point where I rather God's plan than mine. I rather it. You know, I look at my dad and God forbid I I didn't want him to pass, but he left such a monumental legacy of faith for me and my mom and my my wife and my that's right, praise God. And I'm so proud of him. And that happened through suffering, but it cemented me to always keep going. Revelation 12, 11, it says this, And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony, and they did not live, love their life even to death. Listen, your testimony may be the lens which they see the blood. Maybe what you're going through is drawing people in. They say, man, you should not, I don't understand how you're even serving God. And it's those type of things that will draw them in because they'll go through something and say, man, if you can make it through that, then I know I can make it through this. I believe God's going to cause you in 2017 to get people to pull up their bootstraps and, and straighten up their spine and look at obstacles in the face and say, my God is with me and I will devastate this thing in front of me. Praise God. Don't let your disappointments of 2016 be a stumbling block to your faith or your testimony. Let it be a platform that God will use to glorify him. There's a verse that I love. It's in Romans 8:37. It says, "Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us." Now, how can you be more than a conqueror? Because you have gone through something and you conquered it. And now you will help others 
go through that thing, and you will help them conquer it. That's what God wants to use you to do. And he's going to use that pain. I don't know what God wants me to do. Look for the pain. Look for the pain in yourself and look for the pain in in the other person. And point number four, faith sees beyond the now. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land and that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going and even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents, and so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Your story is still being written, and it has not gotten to the best parts. Because you will end strong. You will end in a historic fashion if you allow God to paint his masterpiece. See, in Abraham's life, you see the struggles. You see the struggle of his faith with with trying to create uh, God's promises in his own life. And we even see the fruit of that to this day between the, the battle that rages in the Middle East. But we also see Abraham being so delighted in the, in the son of promise that Isaac came. And then we see that God tells him to sacrifice his only son because God was wanting to show the diligent obedience that, Ab- that he knew Abraham had on the inside of him. And it was also to paint a picture of what God would do to his son. You see, Abraham stopped with the knife before it reached his son, but God did not. He carried it through to show us his devotion to us. See, Abraham had devotion to God, and God blessed that. But God was showing us, I'm devoted to you. I'm going to send my son to die while you're doing what you shouldn't be doing. While you're living the life that blasphemes Jesus, I'm still going to send my son for you. That's love. Would you do that? Mm Mm-mm. But God did that. He said, listen, I'm going to bless who you are. I'm not going to bless who you become. So I'm going to bless. You're right here right now. Kelly, you're doing what you should not be doing. But Jesus has still got your back. And eventually, you're going to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We would want some kind of down payment, right? Well, promise me that you're going to live for the Lord. There was no promises. I was just doing my own thing. But eventually... That tugging, that still small voice that was pulling and pulling. And you know what I'm talking about if you've been serving the Lord at any moment. And eventually that grace got a hold of me and I ain't going nowhere. And I pray the same is for you. Now God may want to use an area of your life to paint a picture. Give him the brush and be the mat. Allow him to do what he wants to do, because I promise you, it will be the most beautiful picture that you have ever laid your eyes on. And when, the, when, when this whole thing is over, you're going to stand before God, and everything is going to make sense. You're going to laugh. You're going to cry. You're going to be so joyous on the fact that God did this, and God did that. God moved this out the way. God, God brought this. How many car wrecks have you should have died in? Listen, I say this before and I'll say it again. If the devil could have killed you, he'd have did it a long time ago. 
Keep moving, keep going forward, keep serving the Lord. Remember Abraham, he lived in his tent. He occupied until the Lord called him home. The same with us. You're in your tent. Don't keep your eyes focused on the inside of the tent. He lived in a land of promise. He, uh, he walked in God's promises. But there are some, the Bible says that they didn't receive until they crossed over. This will help you cope and deal and persevere. When you look at death in the face of a loved one, you will know that it's not the end. It's not over. When you deal with sickness, you will say, this is a great opportunity for my God to do a miracle. It's time to start believing for God to do the miraculous. I'm telling you, it's time to start believing that one day you're going to see that God did something miraculous. And you might not even have prayed all. I didn't read three chapters today. I didn't worship God for, for two hours. I woke up in a bad mood and God did the miraculous in my life. That's the kind of stuff that's coming down the pike. But I want to encourage you, don't quit. Keep moving forward. Wake up tomorrow morning and say, you know what? The same problems that were in 2016 may be here, but I'm going to look at them different. My perspective has changed. I'm going to have faith to believe God for the impossible, and I'm going to step outside of my little tent, and I'm going to look to the heavens where my help comes from, just like the Bible patriarchs did in the Bible. Hebrews 13, 14 says, for this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. I'll tell you what it looks like for me. When my dad left this earth, he left a body of cancer. And he is walking on streets of gold, really talking, really seeing, really hearing, holding real hands of real children, both my kids and their kids. And they're having verbal conversation, walking on real streets of gold, breathing in real heavenly air, looking at a real Jesus. And my faith sees beyond the now. And so should yours. You, there are some things you may not receive here. Be okay with that and look forward that it will come to an end and you will have the culmination of everything that you believed. Listen, if you stay in your tent and don't step out, you'll stay confined to what is happening along in your tent by yourself. It's a representation of your life here. When things don't work out, say, okay, I see that, I understand that, but God's doing something, and I'm going to line myself up with what God wants to do. Hebrews 11, 1 through 2, listen again. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for, we will, it will actually happen. It gives us assurance about the things we cannot see. This is what it looks like, like I told you about the kids and my dad. Eventually, my faith is going to end in sight. When I leave this world in whatever capacity the Lord chooses to do, preferably the rapture. And when we sail through the skies, our faith will end in sight beyond those awesome gates of pearl. And we will walk in every full divine promise that has ever been promised to us. Can we stand? Listen, I believe that this is essential because it won't derail you when you get discouraged. It's in those moments of discouragement. If you really dig deep, you will see God do things that, that you did not expect him to do. 
You know, the Bible says in Hebrews 11:13, all these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised. Listen, but they saw it from a distance and welcomed it. I choose to live that verse. I choose to believe that. I choose to believe, God, whatever is going on here, I'm going to believe for every promise that I receive, and I'm going to glorify you, and I'm going to thank you. But the things that slip out of my reach, I'm still going to believe that you are good, that you're doing something, and that you're bringing the promise. And I'm going to live outside of my tent. I'm going to live with one foot on this earth and one foot in heaven with my eyes on hell, and I'm going to take people with me. I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to tell people all around me. I'm going to glorify. God in the midst of every situation, not because I'm trying to help myself deal, but because I truly believe that nothing shall be impossible to them that believe. And that means you and I. Listen, we are living in the last of the last days. There's no reason to be scared. There's every reason to be hopeful, to expect the power of God to come upon you, to expect miracles, to expect things to turn around. I believe 2017 is going to be a great time, a great year for you personally, for for this church and for your family. I believe that. Listen, because we serve a God of hope. We serve a God of power and might. We serve a God that starts at impossible. Don't look at what God didn't do or what you view as God not doing in your life. View what God is trying to teach us, what God wants to do in the future. Don't quit. Keep going forward. Keep your eyes on the prize, as we said earlier during the exhortation, and believe God to do great and mighty things in your life. Praise God. Yes, God. Now, I just want to... Stop with point one, saving faith. If you could say that I have never received Christ, I want you to be bold and lift your hand. I just want to pray for you. You might be here and you say, you know what? I have fig leaves. I've never confessed my sin before Jesus. I see your hand. I see your hand. Praise God. And I want to come into the kingdom. I want to have that saving faith that you talked about. I see your hand. Praise God. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father. I come to you in the name of your son, Jesus. I confess that I've sinned, that I've broken your laws. I repent. I put my faith and trust in what Jesus did for me at the cross. I give him my sin and I pick up his righteousness. I am saved. I am born again. I'm a child of God. In Jesus' name, I pray and ask, amen and amen. Listen, praise God. Give the, give the Lord a hand clap. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we want you to look at the front of your, in the back of your pew, there's a green card that says, I've made a decision. We just want you to fill it out and bring it to the info center in the back. And we have a gift for you. And we want to pray with you for the rest of the week. Now listen, for the rest of you, I want to encourage you. Be hopeful of the future. Be hopeful. Be glad that your tombstone does not say 2016. Praise God. <laughs> Probably like, what? Listen, I want to encourage you. There's great things in store for you. Keep pressing in. Keep having faith to believe no matter what you see. And I'm promising you, God will show himself mighty in your life. Let me pray a blessing on you. Father, we just thank you right now. I play a breast. I play a breast. <laughs>
I was tongues. No, it wasn't. I pray a blessing on each person here upon their families. God, I ask that you would use them, that you would keep them, that you would empower them to be mighty spokespersons in the kingdom of God. Father, I pray blessings right now upon each person. And God, we just thank you for your divine presence in our lives. In Jesus' name, I pray and ask, amen and amen. Praise God. Well, if you need prayer for anything, you can come up. We'd love to pray with you. If not, have a good afternoon. God bless.